It's the second podcast of the For The Dubs podcast and I'm not going to lie, that song is still a banger, even listening to it a couple of times. Um, today we've got the UWA Junior Technical Director, Lawrence Lewis, in the house and I'm going to start off with probably the question that's on the tip of every single person's lips. How on earth have you lived in Australia for multiple years and no one has shortened Lawrence to Larry? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good question because... I think that's what I got called when I was back in England as well, among many other nicknames as well. So, um, yes, I'm glad it hasn't caught on, and I hope it doesn't catch on as well. So, well, You heard it here first. He wouldn't mind being called Larry. Um, so it's interesting. We had the president of the club, Art, on uh, last week, and obviously one of the biggest things that we've launched is um, – our female program, but that all folds in under the junior development program that mm-hmm. we've got set up. Um, some really cool things that we take a second to hang our hat on is the fact that we went from 19 teams to 25 junior teams, which That's is right. a pretty significant jump in mm-hmm. this day and age, mm-hmm. volume of players coming through. Um, feedback from many of those players is, hey, we really like what the club's doing from a junior development perspective. Um, so if we're getting that kind of shine, we thought, let's go to the guy who's heading it up and kind of get your thoughts on what's working, what we can do better. Um, and I guess what, as a club, what we're focusing on and what we're pushing into to our kids um, from a development perspective. So I guess start with the easiest question. What's your vision? Vision. That's always a good one to uh, start off on, hey? Um, right out into the deep end almost. So um, I guess, look, vision is something I think that's, can be club based, can be individual based. Um, you know, I think my vision as someone who, you know, does this full time and 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 works with a lot of junior players is obviously around the development um, style of things. So in terms of vision, it's just basically well, how how can we provide support and opportunities for players to develop and become the best player they can be? So that's me personally, and and the, and the thing I love about UWA is that it very much aligns with what their values are and their vision is as well so um, on top of many others which I'll obviously mention in a second so the main thing I like about UWA is that having that opportunity and pathway for all junior players whatever age whatever ability um, it gives them that opportunity to be able to go right look I can come here I can play um, I can enjoy myself I can develop I can be super competitive um, I can do all of these things and so me personally being able to uh, be a part of this and follow that and follow my vision as well um, I'm hoping gives um, gives a lot of players uh, that opportunity that we spoke about many many times already the I guess your remit last year was heavily focused on the female mm-hmm. side of things. Yep. You've taken on the male side of things mm-hmm. as well, which has doubled the size of the gig. Sure. How do you spread yourself across so many teams? What's mm. the what's the plan of attack there? Good question. Um, I think last year with the female sides, obviously being slightly less than the males, I think that's slightly got a lot higher now with the female teams this year, but um, it it was relatively simple to deal with those female teams last year. There wasn't a crazy amount. Um, it was very easily um, dealt with. I think with the, the boys' side added in there as well, of course, that not necessarily um, makes it easy, but at the same time, I think... I'm very much a planner 
So um, it gave me an opportunity to write it all down and have a look at it on the big picture and go, well, you know, we can, I can personally hit every single team up within the week um, and speak with the coaches, speak with the players. Um, so I guess the, the broad answer is, yeah, it's actually not that bad it's pretty easy considering there is those 24 or 25 teams that, um, that you mentioned already um, it makes it yeah quite simple in terms of how I structure my week and uh, my availability to hit every team and make sure that you know we're, we're looking good in all aspects so it's not as simple as you just wandering around smiling and showing your face <laughs> obviously there is no. you know technical direction sure. um, I think the thing that and we can really dive into the detail because I'm pretty interested in having children Mm. participating myself but the thing that really struck me and I really stood out was I had a daughter who filled in on a boys team and I'm going to botch this completely but Mm -hmm. she showed up to the boys game and the coach said to her hey how you doing I'm going to put you into zone nine Mm. and she looked and went no worries she knew exactly what the roles and responsibilities were it might have been a color but Mm. um she knew the roles and responsibilities she knew she could take a shot on goal which she is not afraid to do Mm -hmm. um and it, it was just this common language. And I think the bit that I've really taken away is if you've got a methodology that you can cascade down through the coaches, then that flows on to the kids. Like how you know, how robust is this, this monstrous manifesto you've been working on for a number of years in terms of the the curriculum you're giving to the coaches or what, what, where does this all come from, the, the, the zones and the sort of the, the common language? Mm. I think that over the last couple of years, it's kind of been designed by the clubs. So I've obviously had a little bit of input there, but, um, you know, others as well have been able to step in and and set something up. And I think before that was implemented, we, we had a look at it and go, well, you know, where are we going? How do we set this up or how do we set ourselves up for success? And so I think, you know, we're still in the early stages of that with this academy program. It's obviously... I think second, just over second year in now. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, being able to have a player just go and step into any team and know exactly what the deal is, that that's the starting goal for us because that makes it a lot easier for players to move up, move down, sideways, you know, move into next year as well. And whatever coach they might have, then they're all just going to be going exactly the same way. So like you said, that commonality between all teams and coaches is the starting point for us because then, well, where can we take it from there? That's when it becomes a lot easier and we can really focus on the development because that side has already been taken care of. You're working in these zones. You, this is your this is your role. This is what you need to do. Okay, now we can get down to nitty-gritty stuff of that development of a player as well. So, um, that, you know, over the last couple of years where we have been able to develop that, um, and now seeing the fruits of that labour already, you know, even in the second year, it's 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 fantastic to see. So I'm just hoping that we can keep, um, you know, you can always get better as well. So we could just keep going at it and see where we go. The other thing that's quite interesting, sort of back in the day, and I'm sort of showing my age here, if you played in a community sporting club, there was almost this obligation that as a player you'd go and coach a team. <clears throat> and that sort of drifted away a little bit where – well, no, no, I'm not going to coach. We'll go and pay for coaches or, you know, a parent would fall into it. And there seems to be, particularly on the female side, and that's what I look at most heavily because I've got daughters, but there's a lot of female players coaching. What What's the appeal or how did you draw them in? What was what was the, the carrot to bring them to the game? Mm, good question. Yeah, some every now and then I'll drop, a, <laughs> drop one in there. 
I think um, I think for me, if I was to think about it myself, not obviously just from the female side, but for me as a as a player as well, before a coach, is I just have that love for the game. So I think those girl, uh, those females that we brought in to coach those teams, they're in exactly the same boat. And I feel like they have those values going, well, you know, I've been coached by a good coach and I know, know what, um, and what has come of that as well. So, well, why don't I, you know, put that knowledge and those values into a junior team myself. And I think that the girls that we have coaching the um, junior academy teams and the um, non-academy teams this year, um, they just really love being involved with football. And it's not necessarily just about the coaching side of things. It's about, you know, they're still playing as well, or they were playing. Um, but just being around the club, being around the sport, I think is one of the key parts of them actually being involved. And then obviously we'd now speak about the coaching. So they have an opportunity to develop as a coach and therefore, you know, that might open up new avenues in their game or that might open new avenues in their coaching as well. And of course, you know, if players... Uh, retire and stuff how do you stay involved in the game well you get involved in coaching so we've sort of said the word academy a few times mm. what is what is the academy mm. at uwa and i suppose the second part is how does the academy program differ to what we call the development programs mm. sure so the academy program is as we mentioned been going for a couple of seasons now um and basically it gives an opportunity for players to have structured training with qualified coaches and as we've mentioned a couple of times in terms of methodologies and curriculums um, they follow that as well so we spoke um, a couple of minutes ago about following the same way so that's the one thing that uh, gives the coaches a little bit of a platform to go well we're going to start from here we're going to follow this curriculum and we're going to provide this support to players that will be throughout all age groups of course as you go up you'll add a couple of things um but it gives those players an opportunity to really develop and they're all playing the highest leagues. So, you know, juniors, they'll have blue leagues and division one as they get into, uh, sorry, mini roos will have blue leagues and then juniors division one um, as they go up as well. So they're not only being developed by coaches who are qualified and they're following a set curriculum, um, but at the same time they're playing against other good players in other teams as well so you know that they, they are in an environment that is competitive whether they're playing at mini roos or juniors is another thing but um they're you know they're in a perfect position basically to um, um to develop as a player and give them that opportunity to step up and then the development programs yes yeah, so they are um there are teams that will uh, train once or twice a week. Um, they will usually have either a volunteer coach or a parent coach who are happy to step up and they will um, usually be either friends. They will go and play football. And I think the, the one thing is us about club being a community club is that, you know, we are open for all players. Mm. So if you want to be the next Sam Kerr or Lionel Messi, then, you know, we can provide that opportunity. But if you just want to simply come down and play with your friends, then um, there's that as well and those development teams um, have an opportunity to do that also those players that want to play that's the development teams and finally those coaches that are coming in whether they're volunteer parents or um, you know kids that just want to stay involved in the game they'll still have access to all that coaching education which um, obviously we'll talk about in a little bit as well but um, 
you know, they will have that opportunity to still provide that good support and coaching um, to those players as well, even if they only train once a week. But there's nothing to stop a player in a development program saying, oh, I want to give a crack at this academy. There's tryouts every year and yeah. there is pathways for players who decide, yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, there are players like that as well. They, they'll get a little bit of a, you know, a taste of it and go, oh, actually, I want to I want to try and push here. And, you know, there is always opportunity. Mm. So, yeah. so we're probably just, I'm the king of just going off on tangents and mm. you said you're a bit of a rambler as well, so I'm scribbling <laughs> notes as we go. Just it's probably this is a good segue into the coaching education side of things. Like mm-hmm. what is what does that entail and what is what sort of upskilling is happening with the coaches? And you mentioned some of the coaches are doing formal qualifications. I'd be interested mm-hmm. to know what are the formal qualifications for coaching in, yeah. in football. Well, I guess going from that point, so formal qualifications, so Football West, obviously the governing body in Western Australia, um, they will provide opportunities for coaches to upskill. And um, there's different levels. So you have your um, grassroots certificates. So if you coaches just want to get straight into it and coach from a junior age, uh, sorry, a mini roo age, so from like four to nine, they can provide a one day course that will give parents a little bit of an insight into what a coaching session looks like and how to structure those and then as you move up through the different levels and you can look at C license with um, a little bit more intense and that probably I think it's six or seven weeks that runs over um, and that gives an opportunity for coaches to be um, taught about how not only sessions are structured well but how to develop players and things to look out for in different age groups and then it goes up from there. You're looking at B licenses and A licenses and pro licenses if you want to go to the top. Um, there's those opportunities as well. Now, the coaching education at UWA is something that we've kind of been looking at for the last couple of years and playing around with it a little bit. Um, we slightly change it up for this year. Um, we've gone on a more one-on-one basis. So we identified last year we were quite broad in our education purposes and found out that you know, it, it didn't necessarily cater to all. And the one thing we want to make sure we're doing is that coaches are um, catered for and all age groups and all levels and all abilities, you know, much like teachers are in school, they have to plan for every type of age, um, every type of ability as well. So, well, why can't we provide that for our coaches? So that's something that we're looking to do this year is a lot more one-on-one coaching education. So myself and, um, and a couple of supporting staff will be, um, in constant contact with all the academy coaches and some development coaches as well this year um, about how they can improve themselves as coaches, how they can improve their setup for the trainings, how they can improve their communication for games, giving them an access to our coaches community forum as well. It's something that we're quite um, happy that we're putting involved this year. So, you know, access to drills and sessions and um, and ideas as well. You know, uh, the forum is a great opportunity for all the coaches to discuss and talk about you know ideas and 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 players and how they can oh how do I try and work with this player and that player and, and it's really good to see that working well. Mm. Um, along with, um, you know, the individual chats I have with coaches and I'll go down and watch sessions and we video sessions as well. So, um, you know, having those one-on-one um, chats with the coaches as well and we can review those sessions and go, hey, look, have a little bit of a look at this. Why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? And, oh, that looks great. How did you go about doing that? So, um, and that gives an opportunity for other coaches to learn off them as well. One question I've 
wanted to ask you for probably the last two years. Sure. Nothing personal. <laughs> um, why do you not shout? I've just just one thing that everyone talks about with you when you're coaching a team is you never raise your voice, and we're that is so is the antithesis of what most junior coaching is, which is parents or coaches just <laughs> screaming at the kids to mm. do stuff. When were you? When did you become a non-shouter, a non-screamer? Ooh, I think. Well, funny enough, is me when I was playing. Um, you know, everyone's different. You know, some people um, take that well, and some people don't. And when throughout my playing days, still my playing days, um, yeah, any coach I've ever had that was a shouter, I just didn't take on well to that. Mm. So I think um, that. It was one of the uh, reasons why. But I think, you know, you, you don't get anywhere um, mm. from shouting it. Well, juniors especially. Anyway. But it actually made me reflect on my sporting career, which mm. was middling. Um, but I don't remember anything a coach ever shouted out during the game. I remembered the, hey, you did really well. Or I remembered the one-on-one coaching and attention. You never remembered the belittling or the mm. screaming during a game. And I think it, it's interesting when you have your own kids and you see the impact that it has that's mm. positive – the kids respond to it because it's one to one. It's it actually has really been a refreshing change. So, mm. do you want to pump your tires too hard on a podcast? <laughs> but anyway, I was just quite interested to know because obviously mm. you're shaped by experience. I was quite interested to know how you got to this position as a coach where you just don't do it. Yeah, I think the other thing that I found, and you know, I think as and the good thing with coaching is that you know the more you coach, the more experience you have, and the more um, chances you take and things you work on, and and some work and some don't. And and I found you know early on in my coaching days, um, you know, not necessarily trying to shout, but having that, and it just never worked. And and I looked at it and I thought, well, you know, we want these kids to develop and um, have the opportunity to become better players, but. You know, if you go into a classroom, the teacher's not going to be screaming at you instructions throughout the whole time. And why is that? Because you want the player to be calm and make good decisions. And and can they do that if you're shouting at them? <laughs> not really, you know. Um, but And so, you know, having that sense of calm, I think, from a coach, you know, as, and I know only two, I've had some very good coaches in my time that have been very calm and just knowing, well, they're standing on the side. They're very calm. We might be losing, but he's still giving me good feedback, and and so we can go out there and go and do a good job. So, if it works, don't you know? Don't try and think about well, maybe if I go for it, and maybe if I be a little bit more shouty or be a bit more intense, um, you don't. I don't feel you need to do that. Surely the old heart rate gets up if the match is a bit tight late in the game. Though. Mm, yeah, well, I've looked at my Fitbit a few times and uh, sometimes it'll pump up. I've got quite a low heart rate, but as soon as it gets into the 80s, 90s, I'm a bit like, oh, maybe, especially with yeah, women's teams and stuff, there could be a little bit more, you know, it's more competitive or stuff when you, when you get into adults. But, mm. you know, juniors, it's just, you know, doesn't really matter in the grand scheme mm. of things. Right? And I think that's the bit that I think fundamentally only a very small percentage of every kid you're going to coach is going to go and play at the elite level or even get paid. Yeah. So if you make it a really good experience for them, they'll stick around in the sport longer. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's there's this residual or run-on ex- benefit to mm-hmm. actually having a coach that people like being around and he doesn't blow me up and, you know, he's mm-hmm. really positive, he's helped me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's obviously method to the madness. Um, just some other questions that is probably worth answering here as well is the academy methodology, there is – Every player, particularly in the 
mini reason. I want to get to sort of the point at which you're a defender or you're an attacker. Like, when does that lock in? But I think the piece for many parents and players is, I've played defence two weeks in a row. When do I get a shot at every kid wants to score goals? Mm. What's, how does that, how does the positional element work, in the, particularly in the mini-roos? And then we'll kind of segue into the, when do you figure out that you're an attacker or you're a defender? But how, do, how does that positional element work in the, in the junior part of it? Mm. So something that we um, kind of had a look at last year is, well, how do we provide... Um, each player with an opportunity to try different things, right? Because, you know, as as with any coaching session, you know, whatever it is, okay, we're going to do attacking 1v1s and, oh, I want you to try this, I want you to try that. Okay, great. All right, you're going to be a defender now for, for the whole season. So it's like, well, you know, you work on all these core skills throughout the whole training sessions and then, you know, as we all know, some positions do more attacking than others and some more defending than others. So how do we give those players the chance to try those skills in training and try those core skills in training, shooting and crossing and 1v1 and defending and stuff like this, well, is by rotating them. So, you know, I think another thing that is great about this, and this is something that we implemented with our 12 girls last year, and it worked really well. And so this year, all of our mini roos coaches um, is, um, is looking to try and put that into practice. So the good thing about that is... It gives a chance for all players to understand what each position entails for the um, for whatever it is that they're playing in seven aside or nine aside. Um, but it gives them an understanding as well of you know them watching the game from different areas of the field. You know, if I'm a winger um, and I'm playing out on the right side, you know, I'm only ever going to see the game from that side. But if you go and be a centre-back or a defender, the game looks completely different. You're looking at it from a different angle. There's different types of um, movements as well. So I think giving young players that opportunity to experience those different positions, um, areas of the field, just makes a better player. Mm. And if they understand different positions, they can make better decisions because they know, well... If I'm now a defender, I know how I like the ball to be played to me as a winger. So I'm going to now play that ball in there. Mm. It was interesting on the weekend and you know, first game of the season, absolute blowout. So then there was a bit more, hey, let's just throttle back and work on passing and then we'll put some girls in positions they don't mm. often play. Yeah. Um, and one of the staunchest defenders rolled straight into striker role and slots one and, and it was comfortable and didn't look out of place. And, you know, it's that grounding in kind of know what I need to do wherever I am. And yeah. um, and then there's, you can just see this natural – that's what I find fascinating is 11- and 12-year-old girls figuring out, I quite like playing defence or I quite – no one quite likes playing goalkeeper yet. But, um, yeah. yeah, they sort of – the self-selection is pretty interesting as well because it's based on experience. So, um, so that kind of leads into the next part. At what age do you start saying, well, that's your position and then it becomes that more defined role on the team? When, when do you start implementing that? kind of approach hmm. or would you not do that uh well it's always a tough question i think you know over the years it's changed slightly but i think i always kind of go back to my own personal experience as a player and go well and i always tell this to uh, junior players as well just to give them a bit of a sense of how my not necessarily career but my playing time um transpired when I was a junior player from the ages of 
uh, 8 to 10, I was a goalkeeper. And then from 10 to 14, I was a centre-back. And then from 14 to 18, central midfielder. And then when I hit to 18, I became a winger. And so, you know, running down the wing, doing skills, speedy. So going from being a goalkeeper um, to basically move my way up through the pitch just goes to show that, um, you know, even at an age of 15 and 16 where I was a central midfielder, where it's, oh, okay, I'm going to go and be a winger now. So for me, in terms of an age of if we're going to be picking a position for a player, I feel that as we get more towards the, you know, older teens in a way, that will start to really shine about where they're looking to play. Now, um, it might not be bolted on, but I think you can start to see from a player, right, I kind of like that position. I'm happy in going in and trying to play in that role from now on. And whether that be more of a defensive role or an attacking role, then it kind of switches around from there. Um However, of course, once you get into under-13s, it's competitive and, you know, players are not necessarily locked in, but they'll, you know, they'll go, right, okay, I'm a defender. So when does the playing time debate come in, as in mm. this is the best 10, 11 girls, boys we've got? Yeah. You're the you're the 12th, you're on the bench. Like, mm. when does that all start to lock in or you're still through juniors really trying to balance playing time? Yeah, I think um, when you... Because obviously if we're speaking about juniors, that's under-13s to under-18s. So, you know, as we get into under-13s, first time they're playing 11 aside, um, we should still be looking to try and give players as much game and time as possible. Mm. Like Even if they're playing in those higher leagues that are, are very competitive, you know, players need to play to improve, right? You know, as you start getting nearer and nearer towards senior football and then it starts becoming a lot more competitive and it's more res- results-based driven... Um, then, you know, then starts coming into the, you know, you're going to put your best 11 out there and you're going to be able to try and, you know, give those good players a bit more time because you want to be able to try and get the results. Um, but, you know, with rotating subs, you know, there's n- no reason why coaches can't be rotating players in and out. Um, and Just so rotating more. subs goes all the way up through juniors? Mm-hmm. Oh right, okay. Yeah, it's when you start getting into um, like state league and stuff like that, um, like real senior football. That's when it starts kind of coming into play. Mm. So, so two questions, I suppose, I've got on that sort of. I don't want to say elite because that's bandied around, but starting mm. to get pretty competitive. When do you start looking at a team, a team that may be blasting their competition? When do you think about, well, we'll take an under-12 girls team and put them in a boys' division or we'll take, we need to move this team up because they're just trashing the league, it's too easy for them. Like, what's the thought process around putting them, putting teams into more challenging situations to aid their development? Because you're not going to get better just smashing a team every week. Yeah. Well, I think... That's kind of where a whole academy, well, not a whole academy um, idea came from, but that's one of the reasons why we set this up so we can provide that, um, provide the opportunity for those teams or players to play in those highest leagues. Now, if a team is still playing in the highest league and is still doing very, very well, then you know we look at that and going, well, how can we make this more competitive for them? How can we keep pushing them? Because at the end of the day, um, you know, playing against players that are not of that same level might be a bit difficult um, for them to try and step up. So, you know, does that mean we push them up into a, an age group up or does that mean, you know, as the example you just said, 12 girls play them in 11 boys league and, and try and work their way up through there as well. So there are options. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
it comes in few and far between. We usually place the teams quite well. Um, but, you know, now and again, you might get a few mm. shocks. Um, and then I guess that's where you can just go, well, how do we try and push them up? And then what do you do about, as I said earlier, community clubs produce talent, but there's the rare elite talent. Mm. When do you send that kid away and say, hey, you've done everything you can here? Or do you think we're set up where we can manage and and embrace the elite talent and keep them within the club do they need to go somewhere else or do you think we have a a mechanism to continue developing that and and giving them exposure to the best competition i think we can um i think look when you speak about elite competition you know the the mpl is always going to come into that conversation you know with it being national premier league it's technically meant to be the best kids the best players playing at those age groups we know in the last couple of years that necessarily hasn't been the case. Um, so, you know, we've looked at that and gone, well, you know, if there are kids that are MPL standard, if whatever you want to call that, or the highest level standard, um, that are actually not playing at that level, well, you know, what can we do to be able to still provide that competitiveness and that drive to be the best player they can be at a non-MPL standard? So, you know, not only are we providing the opportunity to play in those highest leagues that we mentioned about, which, by the way, from under 13s up, there are some fantastic players in those age groups. Um, but, you know, whether it be a playing a year up, um, you know, quite a few teams do this as well, is given the chance for players to play against bigger, quicker, stronger players as well. Um, but I think it probably comes down to that coaching aspect as well and going, well, you know, if they do go off to a, a, a technically a higher um, elite club, are they going to be getting the same coaching? Are they going to be following a curriculum? Are they going to be taught the right way? Um, even if they are playing in a higher league, you know, are they going to have more benefit from having a better coaching system? And I think that's what we have done really well at UWA is provided each of the teams with an opportunity for players to really develop under... Um, good coaches, qualified coaches with a curriculum as well and going, right, look, you can stay with us and you're going to be on this pathway and can we really try and push you as much as possible and then if you absolutely hit the ceiling or break through the ceiling, then we will support you Mm -hmm. and wherever you want to go. And, um, you know, in terms of connections that we might have available at the club and and we can obviously go from there. But until that time, we want to be able to use what we have to give you the best chance. Well, another layer of support that I thought was pretty cool that's been implemented this year as well is the mentoring side of things as mm. well. And that well, what's the benefit of a young player having a, whether it be a state league men's or a state league woman's or, you know, senior player as a mentor, what's the upside there? I think because they've been through it. They've mm. been through it all right. So, you know, any of the state league men's or women's, they've, whether it be, played at a high junior level or, you know, gone the NPL route or gone the Division One route or, you know, just been a kick-around player or whatever. They've they've done it all. And it's not just the stuff that's on the pitch as well. It's how do they deal with the pressure of playing in high-quality competition and how do they deal with maybe not getting as much game time or how do they deal with, you know, a coach that, um, you know, works really well with everyone and provides a fantastic platform for players to drive. And and I think having 
and we've seen it, I've seen it in the last couple of weeks actually, that the kids light up when the um, mentors come down and the stately uh, women as well. Um, absolutely love just being involved. a senior player who knows the kid's name. Yeah, this is just like the biggest gold star to a kid. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, yeah, just just acknowledging that uh, kid, you know, whoever that kid is, and whoever the mentor is, and the mentor is just acknowledging the kid and going, oh wow, I've got this player who's playing at the top um, of our club, knows my name, you know. I want to be now that person. I want to follow them. I want to see what they're doing and I want that help. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, if you can provide the help from somebody that has been through that, it's, yeah, golden. Mm. So Absolutely. Um, you know, why not Why not do it? Mm. And it just fosters that sense of club and, you know, mm. like you, for a young player walking into a club where you may not know people or you've if you've got a couple of people who have, peg above you at age level above you, just that support mechanism makes things a bit easier. Um, conscious that we've had you for a little while here, so there's probably two other things we want to cover off. One is the plan is with this podcast is sort of get you involved every week if possible and just pick your That's brain right. on a topic or something like that as well as getting a probably a, a junior team each week, player, coach, just to come in and talk about what they're getting up to, performance, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to talk to you about tonight is um, we're running a, a effectively – didn't help that the season started early, but we were going to run a, a pre-season female tournament. Yep. Um, hasn't really – we've not done it before. Um, what's what's the thought process by, behind it and, and how big is it? Something I've been kind of – well, we've been thinking about for the last couple of years and um, unfortunately with COVID and stuff, last couple of years hasn't quite um, come to fruition. But I think this year having – an opportunity for girls to play in a tournament in Perth, um, you know, right before the season starts, I think is, it's just a fantastic idea because not only from a personal point of view, I know what these tournaments are like. It's a really big hype. It's like, oh, it's a whole day thing. They come down, they have a fantastic time. Um, Plus they get to play some fantastic football against some very good teams. So we want to be able to try and go, well, there are these very good female teams and that's from under 10s all the way to under 16s. Um, Within Perth, why can't we give uh, give a platform to showcase this talent? So, you know, having you know eight to 16 teams for each age group to come down and play against each other before the season starts well it would have been before the season starts but um is is uh is something that we kind of had a look at and go well you know we, there isn't really anything else in perth that is doing this like i know there's a couple of other tournaments after the season um, and a little bit further away from Perth, of course, that you have to travel. But, you know, why can't we use the fantastic facilities that we have at UWA and um, and put something on for all of these girls' teams, um, especially with how big girls' football is getting mm. in Perth and with the Women's World Cup coming up. So, you know, why not? Keen listeners will notice that Lawrence actually referred to his own idea as fantastic there. Um, <laughs> but I think um, you're right. Like, if you, we have the number one playing surface, it's mm. multiple pitches. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, throwing the girls into the fire before the season kicks off to sort of weigh up. And I, I can once again only speak from personal experience is um, 
you know, you know of some teams you may not actually play during the season, particularly with juniors where there's lots of divisions that, yeah. Yeah. oh, we think they're pretty good or that goalkeeper's really great and actually kind of invi- invest, inviting the, you know, some of the really strong clubs in just so you can see, well, this is what we'd be going up against and, you know, um, yeah, I think it's just a, it's a good way to set the bar and understand where you're at. So we should have uh, an under-12, under-14, under-16 competition going and eight That's teams right. per age group we've got more than that yeah 18 Mm. so we're just gonna keep it that for now and you know with it being the first year um and in in, an invitational tournament um you know we want to make sure the quality is high and um and you know give give teams next year um a bit of a time to have a look in and go oh no we want to be a part Mm. of the competition and and you know and maybe in the future it'll get bigger but Mm. i think uh having the eight teams for now is good well, it's going to be a logistical nightmare, so if you're listening and you're keen to volunteer, please um, put your hand up because we can put you to good use. Lawrence, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I'm going to uh, close this thing out with the banger and we'll uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, mate. Cheers.